Wings for the game. Boom. Cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom. Cash back. Even a last-minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Wings for the game. Boom, cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom, cash back. Even a last minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. This is The Athletic Hockey Show. Welcome to it. It is your Monday edition of The Athletic Hockey Show. It's Ian Medicine, Julian McKenzie with you as always to kick off your week in the world of hockey. Coming up, we're going to have a really fun, in-depth conversation with Hockey Night in Canada's Harner Ryan Singh. We're going to talk about his new book, his passion for the game, his path to uh, the broadcasting booth. It's going to be a lot of fun having Harner Ryan on. Uh, and you know what, Julian? This is the first athletic hockey show, because I guess we only observe American holidays around here. We haven't had a show. We haven't had a podcast in days on, around here, right? I mean, yeah. I mean the, my Thursday show didn't even happen. We're all Canadian, and they're like, no, no, no. Take the day. I'm like, okay. So we, we got a lot of ground <laughs> to cover here, man. We got a lot of ground to cover. I really appreciated having the Thursday off watching uh, football for a good chunk of it, while also simultaneously trying to make sure that uh, – you know, nothing, nothing, there's no games on the Thursday either. It's not, it's one thing for the athletic hockey show to not be doing anything. The NHL just said like, nah, bruh, NFL, you're good. Have the Thanksgiving Thursday to yourself. Oh, they can't, but the NHL can't have a game on thanks. Like they do it right on the Friday. They've got a bunch of afternoon games, but they can't go. You don't, are you suggesting that they should play a game on like the Thursday no. night? No, I mean, I don't think I mean, they can. I don't think they like, can. They they lose ratings wise. Like they get clobbered, especially with the the Vikings played on that late Thursday. Like the all actually all three games ended within one score. The NHL would have been clobbered. No disrespect, they would have been. I yeah, and and plus like the attendance at the game. Like I I just don't know where you would. How would you? The only way it would work for a Thursday night game in the NHL on Thanksgiving uh, weekend would be an all-Canadian matchup, right? Like, yeah, and, I guess and so. You try and That's promote how it. you'd have to you sell go it. Toronto, You go Toronto-Montreal or, you know, Toronto-Edmonton or some, something that you try and sizzle it a little bit, right? Like with a... But even then, right? Like Thanksgiving in the States, 
Like everyone is at home. They're with their families. They have the TV on. They're able to watch all these games for the entirety of the day. And again, especially if they're anything like what they were last Thursday, where they're all good, you're going to have people glued to the TV the whole day. Yeah. And all Canadian matchups, like it's still Thursday for us, right? So people will go to it's work. It's just a random Thursday for us. It's, it's a, a regular, regular Thursday. Thursday. So even if you do like, all right, Toronto, Montreal on a Thursday night, like, yeah, like people will watch and people will tune in. But like, I wonder how much pageantry you can really give it because it's just a Thursday. It's 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 a Thursday. It's a Thursday but, evening. But it's a regular Thursday for us. Like, why aren't we... I guess my point is, why aren't we just playing games? Uh, you know, why aren't we playing games on Thursday? Like, why why aren't and, and the, the Leafs and the Habs playing? It's a random Thursday. It's still it's just, a fair point too. I mean, if you're even if you're not thinking of it as like a mm-hmm. as a counter programming to to what Thanksgiving offers for the NFL, you could still just play games and and yeah, just have all the Canadian teams play against each other. Maybe you could throw in an extra Battle of Alberta game. Right, that's a thought. There's only three of them this year. There's only one more on December 27th. I know I've brought it up a bunch of times on a bunch of different podcasts, but it's absolutely ridiculous that there's only been three games and the last one will be before the new before we ring in the new year. Like, yeah. I, I I'm with you. I look, I I think the problem is the NFL a few years ago added that late game on Thanksgiving night. Like there there was a window of time where you could have you could have played NHL games at 7 p.m. And had the window to yourself, and then the NFL is like, no, 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 we're gonna take that window too, right? I didn't. Even, I forgot about that. I didn't even realize that. I've I've yeah. just been used to seeing two, three, like three games for as long. But as That's I've only been like the last four years, maybe or five years. I really? think before that, it was only it was only a Detroit game at one, a Dallas game at four thirty, and that was it. There was never an oh. eight o'clock game till about I don't know. I feel like it was only within the last five years. Wow, I uh, never really thought about that. So the window was anyway. I think I'm with you. Thursday of American Thanksgiving should be all Canadian matchups. You pick two games. You pick Battle of Alberta, Toronto, Montreal, whatever Battle of Ontario, and you play. There'd be huge ratings in Canada for those games. The one thing I will say though, I would feel bad for American players who play on those Canadian teams who get to live in a world where they could at least be with their families on Thanksgiving. However, they have it. That's the one. I mean, I don't know. Like, uh, yeah, if that's, but, I mean, that then again, I mean, athlete, the world of an athletes, like you're used to, you have to be conditioned to the fact that you're going to lose out on holidays and, and significant periods yeah. of time over a calendar year that, that does happen. But I think it, I think it's okay for me to feel some sympathy at the idea that like, you know, if that does happen, it would come at the expense of some American players and them spending Thanksgiving with their families. Where's our that's sympathy? A, that's a price we, to pay. Canadian teams play on Canadian Thanksgiving all the time. That is true. I don't. I that don't see where's the where's the that is true. Right. Anyway, just, just a thought. Look, we got a lot of ground to cover. Like I said, we haven't had a, an athletic hockey show in days, um, and there's a little bit of news that came out on on the weekend, um, Julian. And and I think when the Vancouver Canucks parted ways with uh, Rachel Dory uh, a couple of months ago. There's a lot of people wondering, like, hey, what on earth happened here? Dory, if you're not familiar with this uh, situation, Rachel Dory uh, was hired by the Vancouver Canucks earlier in 2022. Uh, Originally hired kind of in the analytics side of things, uh, was moved over to Bruce Boudreaux's coaching staff and was supposed to be, uh, you know, kind of a video coach. And and that was in September. Uh, Bruce Boudreaux said, look, we're we're bringing her over and, 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 and 
all of a sudden, Rachel Dory was mysteriously uh, let go by the Vancouver Canucks. And people were wondering what on earth happened. Well, on the weekend, uh, Julian, uh, Rachel tweeted out uh, a link to a complaint that she's filed against the Vancouver Canucks organization alleging discrimination by the organization when she was let go in the fall. And the crux of this story is according to the complaint. Now, and I'll keep this very factual because this is a an active complaint. It hasn't been resolved in any sort of um, uh, you know court of law or anything like that. So everything that is out there is alleged. Okay, and we we want to make that very uh, clear. Yes. Everything that Rachel Dory has said is alleged, hasn't been proven in court or tested in court. But according to this, Rachel Dory says when I interviewed with the Vancouver Canucks, I told them I was up front. I suffer from PTSD. I suffer from anxiety and panic attacks and uh, some some depression and mental health illnesses. And uh, she made that very clear. And what she is saying is that when the Vancouver Canucks let her go, it kind of felt like uh, Emily Castengay, who was essentially above her in the in, in the org chart. Uh, Dory says that Castengay tells her, I don't know if you have what it takes to do the job mentally and the Canucks were apparently upset that Rachel Dory used her own Instagram account to repost a story uh, in which Canucks head coach Bruce Boudreaux lauded her work and complimented her work the Canucks are saying uh, you shouldn't be posting that article and you shouldn't be speaking with the media Dory saying I never spoke with the media now did I text with media people on the side yeah absolutely but I never officially spoke to the media and anyway this whole thing uh, has, has really sort of come out on the weekend. The Canucks are uh, denying it. Kasten Gay and the Canucks are saying that what Rachel Dory alleges is, quote, absolutely not true, and everything that she says is false and inaccurate. And so they say that we offered the necessary resources, support, and opportunities. Uh, we acted in good faith. Um, this is a legal matter, and we will uh, respond at the appropriate time. Certainly... Uh, a volatile situation, but that is now out in the public as to why Rachel Dory uh, allegedly parted way or the Vancouver Canucks parted ways with Rachel Dory. And this is a very messy and complicated situation. Yeah, it, it seemed like it was even before the tweet even came out. We were left in the dark about why uh, Rachel Dory was no longer with the organization. But uh, this, uh, what's come out now at least is revealing something that happened it was just a very bizarre situation I, i'm not i'm gonna try not to editorialize here the one thing i will say uh this is a not to broaden the scope a little bit but imagine being someone who cares very much about representation when it comes to the national hockey league and the efforts it could do to be to go beyond this sport for just old white men and in the span of about a month and change, we see a prominent black agent represent a white kid who berated a black teenager while trying to rehab his image to enter the National Hockey League. Yep. And it is alleged now uh, that a woman who was trying to make their way up in an organization uh, alleged, strictly we have to emphasize that it was alleged, uh, may have been mistreated by another prominent woman in an NHL front office. Like, not to broaden the scope a little bit, but I, that's the first thing I thought of when this 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 came out with Rachel Dory because it's just, it's a bit of a tough situation to see uh, when it's your own people hitting you uh, the way that it seems to appear for, for Rachel Dory 
on on this matter. Uh, it's a very difficult situation, and I can understand that a lot of people have been able to show empathy uh, for what Rachel has been going through. Uh, I I don't know what this does for her reputation for for working in on other NHL teams, but this is this is very messy. Not to mention the fact that this is for an organization, the Vancouver Canucks, that is already at least on the side of their owners, the Aquilini, uh, I for, the Aquilini family. At least I forget. Forgive me, I forget the name of uh, the first name of the owner, but he's dealing with legal troubles of his own that were brought up for before the season even began, and the team on the ice, which might even be the least of their problems by comparison, not having a good start to the year. A lot of mess when it comes to the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, Francisco Aquilini, right? Uh, Francisco Aquilini is going through legal troubles. Yeah. Uh, You know what what I'll say too on this, and again, everything is alleged, not proven in a a court or anything like that. Um, What I find disappointing though is that when you see people coming at Rachel and saying, why are you doing this or... Uh, you're you're never going to work in the NHL again if you if you air your dirty laundry like this. I'm a believer that if if this did happen, then you do need to shine a light on it. You can't just say I'm going to walk away quietly because this is the problem with hockey, right? Is that anytime that there is mistreatment, you're 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 expected to sweep it under the rug and be a good soldier. So if this did happen, and I'm going to say big capital I if if this happened, then I think this is the type of thing that needs to be. Uh, you know, exposed and 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 talked about in an in an open manner. I don't think that this stuff needs to be swept under the rug. But we'll see how this all uh, plays itself out. Um, you know, I think you bring up a great point. What does this do for uh, her reputation moving forward? Uh, you know, I'd like to think that if this is if if she's proven to be right uh, in all of this, I, I would like to think that this doesn't hurt her chances of working again in the National Hockey League, right? And also, what does this do for people who, uh, as she says, are, are going through or just in situations where they're dealing with PTSD or any other things that uh, may impede them mentally uh, or just emotionally, right? Like, what does yeah. that do? Like, like what what are, I mean, the Vancouver Canucks say that they offered uh, Rachel services and, 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 and say they operate in good faith. If this ends up being true... Does that get revisited? That might be a minor thing to revisit when this is all resolved, yep. but I have questions about that. No, absolutely. And again, it, it just came out on Sunday. It's certainly an evolving story, but the Canucks are, are saying that it's all false. Rachel Dory is saying it's not, and, and we'll see uh, where that goes. But that's certainly a story yep. that a lot of people are monitoring. Uh, I mentioned this because we, last week, uh, we didn't have the Thursday, the Friday shows because of, of American Thanksgiving, but American Thanksgiving, Julian, is always a natural kind of demarcation point in the schedule. Most teams have played about 20 games. You say to yourself, if you get to this particular point in the, in the season and you're in a playoff spot or not, it, it's kind of telling. As we sit here, look, let's all agree that New Jersey's the biggest surprise, right? Like, I don't, I think a lot of people thought the Devils would be good and improve. I don't think they saw them being this like absolute wagon of a team that was just playing like 800 hockey and okay. So let's, let's take the Devils out of the equation for a second. If I asked you who's the next biggest surprise team in a good, let's start in a good way here. Not, not the bad surprise, like not the teams that are bad, but the teams that are like, wow, I'm really shocked that they're, they're doing what they're doing. I'm going to give you four options here because I think Winnipeg is, is punching above their weight from what we thought they would be. I uh, remember they stripped the, the captaincy and, and from Wheeler and we thought they were going to be a mess. They got a new head coach. Well, guess what? They're playing really well. Boston is being uh, off to a historically good start at home. Dallas is in first place. Seattle 
is in a playoff spot in, in year two of their franchise. If I asked you, take the Devils out of the equation, we're past the Thanksgiving mark, who's the next biggest surprise? What's your answer? So my pick is Dallas because of – here's the thing. Winnipeg, it's funny you say they're punching above their weight. I feel like they should have been in this position a long time ago, and they found a way to you know actually play to their potential in spite of the fact that they took the C away from Blake Wheeler. They deserve props for that. Boston, Boston Bruins fans were listening. I just want to let y'all know something. I'm sorry. I, I did not. I, 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 I really wrote y'all off. There was a really funny meme going around uh, where whenever someone like slights somebody, they'll post this photo of Shaq. It's from this quote from inside the NBA on TNT where he's like, I apologize. I was not as familiar with your game. I kind of feel like that right now because I really thought that all the injuries that the Boston Bruins had incurred to start off the year was going to put them in a position where they were going to start off badly and they were not going to be able to recover from it. But what I did not account for is the fact that uh, the Boston Bruins clearly have a reserve of adamant adamantium skeletons and vibranium and all yeah. of those players who were supposed to be injured and gone for how many months at a time. I'm looking at you, Charlie McAvoy, Brad Marchand, Taylor Hall. They all found ways to come back and they're all being really healthy. But really, when they're all really healthy, they're supposed to be a good team. Dallas, I'm picking because of the fact that last year they kind of they were they were they were among the the bottom ranked teams when it came to playoff teams. Jake Ottinger had his breakout party in that first round against Calgary. And a lot of people really felt like, okay, this guy could be the guy to, to build on. If it wasn't for these last few games that he's played, he'd be among the best in terms of goals against average and save percentage. He's really off to a good start with the Dallas Stars. Uh, we're going to talk more about Jason Robertson, but dude might be the hottest player in the NHL right now and an early MVP candidate. But this is a Dallas Stars team that's been carried by Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn for the last how many years, right? Jamie Benn is is on pace to have his best year in like five years, and Taylor uh, Tyler Sagan is not necessarily having a bad year either. Like it, it's it they're it's it's not just the the younger players who are playing well. We got to include Muir Heiskin in that, but even some of their older players are also stepping up as well. That's what I think makes uh, Dallas's success so far this season all the more surprising. You know what? I think I'm going to go Seattle for me because I think the Kraken last year, what was the whole thought around the Kraken last year? My God, you screwed up the expansion draft, right? They did. Like, or what are you doing? Well, look like, well, guess what? In year two, they're very competitive and they're sitting in yep. a playoff spot. And again, it's, it's early in the year, but at the first natural checkpoint of the season, the Seattle Kraken are a playoff team. And, and remember when they added Martin Jones, to the mix is their goalie. What was our thought as an entire hockey community? We're like, oh yeah, that'll help the situation. You add, Washed. you know, and you know, again, are his numbers great this year? No, I think he's got, he's got a save percentage just around 900, but like, yeah, I'm looking at it up. He's 11, four and two. Like that's pretty good. Um, and, and, and they're, they're playing what appears to be uh, a pretty good brand of hockey right now. And Maddie Beneers Right now, if you had to call the Calder Trophy race right now, Matty Beneers and Logan Thompson in Vegas would be the, the, the two favorites. I mean, Beneers is almost at a point-of-game pace. Uh, the Kraken, to me, I, if you had told me that Seattle would be sitting in a playoff spot at, at American Thanksgiving, I don't, I don't know that I would have believed it. But here we are, and, and they're pretty good. And I, I think I'm, I'm surprised by that. So I, I'm taking them as a surprise team. You know, I'll say this, too. Like, I mean, Martin Jones and Phil, I mean – 
Philip Grubauer from the Colorado Philip Grubauer to the Seattle Philip Grubauer significantly different. So I'm sure a lot of people looked at Jones and Grubauer as potential as a potential tandem and, and were were cringing a little bit. But yeah, I, I think the Seattle Kraken have very much surprised. They're a fast team. Uh, they have skill up and down their lineup. They're they're capable of getting production. I am very happy at the fact that I changed my Calder Trophy prediction from Owen Power to Maddie Beniers when I did because. I'm looking real good for making that switch when I did because Manny Beniers is a bad man, leading all rookies in scoring last time I checked. He's he's the real deal. You know, you mentioned let, let, we wanted to chat a little bit more about Jason Robertson, and I don't know that the average hockey fan – I look, listen, if you're in a hockey pool and you really pay attention uh, to hockey, I think you, you obviously know how good Jason Robertson has been in the last couple of years. But you start to look at his, like, look at these, the scoring leaders right now in the NHL. He's second in the league in scoring. He's a point behind Connor McDavid for the league lead. I don't think enough people realize that we are talking about a guy that has absolutely elbowed his way into the conversation of one of the 10 best players in the game right now. And I yes. don't look. Is he is he in that stratosphere of McDavid, Matthews, and McKinnon? I'm going to say no. But whatever your next tier is, and whoever's in that next tier of of players, uh, Jason Robertson is is in there, and I'm blown away. Julie, this guy basically missed training camp. It was a contractual impasse that it looked like he was in with the Stars. We didn't think he was going to sign. They bridge him. It's a four year deal at just under eight million per. Uh, that's looking like a mega bargain now. I mean, are the stars going to look back and think, you know what? We should have just ponied up. We should have just paid the man. We should have, we should have just paid the man on a seven or eight year deal because it feels like this guy is a mega star who's going to be on the doorstep of free agency at the end of his four year deal and knocking. I think he'll have one more year left as an RFA, but then he can walk. Um, this feels like. Maybe a mistake by Dallas now in hindsight because Robertson is is a top 10 player in this game right now. I mean, I'll say for the contract, let's have him play through year two, year three, and then see how the production goes. But also, he's on a 15-game point streak, and I think he's had like 28 points in that span. Like, he 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 is – and it's funny. Like, he, you're talking about where he could be ranked in terms of, you know, in, in terms of players and, and where he should be seen. Uh, at the beginning of the year, uh, I think uh, in terms of the athletics player tiers, he's kind of in like tier 3C. Like, I wonder if you're Dom, uh, Dom Luschison, our, our good buddy, yeah. uh, where do you bump him up? Like, I, I would love to know from his and, and Shana's perspective, Shana Goldman, who uh, both those guys, both those two are, are great when it comes to, to numbers and advanced stats. I would love to know uh, how they feel about Jason Robertson and if his play, the way he's elevated himself, at least, is worthy of him being bumped up in player tiers, or if they're going to say something like, oh, he's just, his shooting percentage is just, like, unsustainable and it'll come down. And, yeah, look, I mean, he's on a point streak that he's on right now. It will eventually, you'll eventually see some regression in his play. But dude is a very much an early season, early MVP candidate. And the fact that he's on a really good Dallas Stars team, a team that, again, was in a wild card spot last year, and they've turned themselves into a really good team this year. At least they've been off to a good start. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I, I think he's definitely worthy of admiration, and I would love to see him bumped up into another tier of player. 
You know what though? His shooting percentage is pretty much like he's kind of like you know Kyle Connor in, in in Winnipeg was a guy that you know he came in and he was kind of always shooting at fifteen percent and and the first couple mm-hmm. of years people were like well I don't know if he's a fifteen percent shooter well he is he's consistently he is. a fifteen percent shooter and Robertson was shot around eighteen percent last year at around eighteen percent this year like those are where the the elite players are up in that in that in that district right the Matthews and the Robertsons and the uh, you know, Kyle Connor, like the guys that consistently can be 35, 40 goal scorers are uh, in that range. And I, I don't think that this guy's a fluke. And, you know, I love this stat that was put out today. My colleague in, in Ottawa, Steve Lloyd, who hosts the radio uh, show in Ottawa, Steve tweeted out that with Robertson second in league scoring right now, how crazy is this, Julian? The top, as of Monday morning, the top seven point getters in the NHL are from seven different countries. That's, That's really remarkable. Cool. Like, think about so it's McDavid, obviously from Canada at number one, Robertson from the United States at number two, David Pusternak uh, from the Czech Republic at three, Dreisaitl from Germany at four, Eric Carlson uh, from Sweden at five, Nikita Kucherov from Russia at six, and Miko Rantanen from Finland at number seven. Like, that's amazing. To seven different countries for the top seven scorers in the game. That's really cool. That's a really unique stat. Uh, there's another unique stat I also want to, well, maybe it's not unique, but this, I just thought this was really cool, uh, to bring up with regards to, to player production and also keeping on the theme of Jason Robertson, uh, who among, so he has 18 points at five on five. Like there are only two other players in the national hockey league at this moment right now who have more points at five on five than Jason Robertson. And, for me, looking at those two names, they're playing really well this year, but it also kind of feels like a throwback to like a couple years back. Sidney Crosby and uh, Sidney Crosby and Eric Carlson at 20 points respectively have more points at five on five than Jason Robertson. If this was something we were looking at a couple of years ago, we'd be like, Oh yeah, of course. They're the best players in the world. Like they would do it. Carlson is having a career resurgence in his early in his 30s. Yeah. Uh, Sidney Crosby you know, we look at McDavid and Matthews and all these players. Sidney Crosby is still still one of the best players in the world. Even if he gets older with age, he's still playing at a very high level. It does kind of just feel like a throwback uh, in a way. But I'll say this, too. Like, Jason Robertson uh, playing at 14 minutes, averaging that time on ice at 5-on-5 five five as well. Uh, my uh, my good buddy, Chris Johnston, uh, from the Chris Johnston Show, which you can also listen to on the Athletic app, was saying that, like, he plays, like, five minutes less than, like, Austin Matthews does at five on five, which is pretty impressive when you really think about it. Yeah. And one more thing on Robertson, you talk about uh, it being a throwback to like 10, you know, Carlson and Crosby and their dominance from a decade ago. Think about this. Jason Robertson, when Eric Carlson won his first Norris trophy, Jason Robertson was 12 years old. Oh my God. That's kind of crazy, right? That's kind of crazy. And, And Carlson, by the way, Carlson, I saw this set a record for the most points ever by a Sharks player in a single month. Had 21 points in November. Now, think about that for a second. Like, they had Thornton in his prime, and he was racking up. Eric Carlson just had the most productive month ever by a Sharks player. That's crazy. He's 32. He's 32 years old. I'll just, I'll, I'll add this too. I think I might have screwed up the time thing with with five on five between Matthews and, and Robertson. But, like, 
look, he's he's out producing he's out producing Austin Matthews at five on five. That that yeah. much is for sure. I just want that clarified. Sorry about that. Yeah. No, no, all good. It's it, it, it's it's not as egregious as your. Uh, I don't know how much I paid for a hamburger. Let's move on. At the oh my god! Okay? Let that one go, please. <laughs> Let that one go, sir. Wings for the game. Boom, cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom, cash back. Even a last-minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking a W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game-changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Wings for the game. Boom, cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom, cash back. Even a last minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking a W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. All right, Julian, I got to tell you, we're, we're pretty stoked for this next guest. You know, I, I said to you last week, it's uh, or a couple of weeks ago, it's uh, it's book season in the hockey world. As we get closer to uh, uh, get closer to Christmas time, you see a lot of hockey books, and we love uh, kind of you know promoting some of the different books that are out there. But this one is one that we, uh, you and I, are pretty excited about, and it's uh, Hunter Ryan Singh's new book, uh, One Game at a Time. And everybody, I think, can appreciate uh, Hunter Ryan's journey to uh, to to being one of the, the the premier faces and voices. Of of hockey in this country, and you and I were were pretty excited. I think it was I think it was two weeks ago when we said we got to get Horn Ryan on, right? Yeah, it was about two weeks ago, and we wanted him. I think the week before it didn't work out that way. So the fact that we have him now, we're just really really excited. He, honestly, like getting to meet him, he's like one of the good dudes in this game. There are a lot of people who are pretty nice and really cool to deal with in hockey, but like Horn Ryan genuinely comes across as a really nice person. Like he's he's yeah. really cool. I'm pulling well, yeah. off the facade real well, aren't I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we love it. Hey, man. Thanks, Hunter Ryan Singh. Thanks for joining us on the uh, the Monday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. Uh, we're looking forward to a fun conversation with you. And, and Julian and I are huge fans of you and what you're, you're doing in the booth for Hockey Night. So this is a big thrill for us to have you on the podcast. Well, I really appreciate the kind words. And I'll start off by saying, Ian, you've been so supportive just from day one. Like I can remember at early on stages of my career with hockey night Punjabi and you were always, you know, supporting on social and, you know, you could just feel it. Right. And, and I appreciate that. And then Julian, it's great to have you in the Calgary market it is great to meet you. And, and like I was saying earlier, it feels like I've known you my entire life. You have that positive vibe as well. And and it's great. So yeah, this is awesome. And it's, it's, it's cool to have all three of us on, on a, on a hockey podcast. I'd say that that's pretty uh, spectacular as well. This is true, man. Hockey's supposed to be for everyone. And these are actual <laughs> moments when it's actually speaking uh, to its word. I guess just to start, like, uh, what made you want to write uh, this book? How did th- how did this all come together? 
Yeah, you know, that's uh, an interesting question because um, I think I have to take it back to, and you guys, you, you know, this might resonate with you. When you've been told um, so many times along the journey, I know for me growing up, I was told so many times that me becoming an NHL commentator, a, a broadcaster, a hockey name in Canada, it would all be impossible. And, you know, when you hear that, when you hear that cautionary tale from all sorts of different people and all sorts of facets of stages of life, uh, it plants this seed of doubt in your mind. And sometimes when an opportunity even falls into your lap or an opportunity comes your way, uh, when you have that seed of doubt in your mind, you, you know, it, it makes you wonder, you know, why is this opportunity coming to me? And is this going to be successful? Like, is, you know, is it, is it something that I should even jump at? And, and when the, when the opportunity to write a book was offered to me from the publishers, McClellan and Stewart, my initial reaction was like, oh my goodness, it was, it was this worry. Like, if I agree to this, are there going to be enough people who buy the book? Like, because you're walking into it as a minority, you're walking into it as someone who, um, you know, it, I love hockey, I love Canada, but I've had to justify my Canadianness uh, so many times, you know, even to this day, um, I've had to come into the hockey world as an outsider and prove myself to the hockey world. So all of a sudden this opportunity comes and sorry to get into the heavy stuff right away, but you know, the, the, the publishers, you know, present this opportunity to write a book and it's like, you want me to write a book about me? Like, are you sure people are going to buy this? Like, are you sure you know what you're talking about? And, and then, so I actually, I actually kind of declined at first, but then when we started chatting more, we were, we were on the same wavelength and that wavelength is to inspire. And so this book is a very positive Canadian story, but it's a diverse hockey Canadian story where it's, it's my love for hockey, but it's defying the odds of making it in this industry and, and all the, the roller coaster rides uh, of, you know, getting there. Um, and and proving my commitment and my love for hockey, but also showing that if I can do it, anybody can do it, right? And there's a lot of a lot of laughs along the way. The the passion for Gretzky, um, you know, high, there's a chapter called "Hiding from Bob Cole." Um, there's a lot of really crazy stuff that's happened over the years where I've paid for my own flights to be a part of Hockey Night Punjabi, and and so from from all that from the childhood love of hockey to where. You know, I'm standing uh, with the Pittsburgh Penguins in 2016 with their Stanley Cup playoff championship in front of 400,000 people. It's like, how did this happen? Right. And so that's kind of the journey. And that's that's what the book is about. And that's why how it kind of came together is that let's let's show let's show that there are diverse hockey stories out there. And it's it's not just a hockey story. It's a Canadian story. And it I hope to be able to inspire others. And, and, and you know, I'm talking about what it means to actually be truly Canadian from my perspective. Yeah. And you know what? I think Hunter Ryan for anybody and, and Julian is, is of the same uh, in the same boat. Look, the three of us are people of color in, in a hockey world. And I can tell you, I remember specifically, like I go back, like I broke into this industry in the early two thousands. And I think you could count on one hand. I think it was just me and Farhan Lalji yeah. in terms yeah. of like, just, you know, brown skin guys on your screen talking about hockey. And I'll never forget, this one really hurt. It's the one that sticks with me. I'm in Nashville to do, I'm doing, uh, I'm doing Sportsnet. I'm the ringside reporter, uh, Senators and Predators, like some random game. 
And I'm getting ready to do the broadcast down by the rink. And they're doing this tour through the, what is it, Bridgestone Arena? Whatever, Bridgestone Arena. And this guy comes, they're doing a tour and they're like, oh, and this is where the visiting TV sets up. And this guy looks at me and says, you're the, you're the hockey reporter? You? And he's laughing. And he's having a great laugh. He's like, really? You're not the baseball guy? You're the hot. Like, he couldn't get, he was laughing so hard. Oh. And and I couldn't get over, like, what the hell is so funny about me being the ringside reporter? And and I'm sure that that you uh, have dealt with that uh, a lot over the years. And and it's hard, like like you said, the one thing that jumped out to me that that you were saying there was you're repeatedly having to justify your Canadianness, and there's nothing more Canadian than hockey. And so when we're put into this world, it's almost like we should be thankful that we're like kind of allowed a seat at the table and it can become very frustrating. This is why I think, uh, the, the whole thing of, uh, you know, representation matters is really important and why your book really matters. Like I, what I hope Harn Ryan is your book ends up in the, you know, under the Christmas tree for thousands of kids of color or women, uh, young girls that have a dream of being in hockey and they need to understand that there is a path to do it, that the people like that look like the three of us can get into this sport. And you know what, Ian, it's, you hit the nail on the head because if people like ourselves, like when I was a kid and I, every, every kid's asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? Right. And I'm saying, I want to be a hockey commentator. And initially it's met with, um, you know, oh, that's cute. Or it's like, you know, it's an innocent little kid. And then you start to see the reality of the world uh, and you start to experience racism, you start to experience bullying in school, you start to get messages from uh, people who are professionals in their own lives. And they're saying that, you know, you should pick something realistic because the chances of this happening are are slim to none. It 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 was such a barrier. Right. And, and you reference yourself and Farhan. I remember those days when you were um, on Sportsnet and covering the senators on TV and you've done a hell of a job in your career radio wise now with the athletic i mean it was significant i because we were it was so rare right and and yeah. forget it forget about diversity um on television and radio like think about sports it was like sports is always like further down the road like you know diversity representation all of these topics around the world uh they come they come to fruition in other spots first and then sports is like you know usually later to the game right so I, I, I'm looking at the world now through my kids' eyes and it is, they are seven and five years old and nobody can tell them that this, they don't have a chance anymore at this, right? If they want to be a part of the hockey world, they want to be on radio and TV or in media, they have examples uh, like you, Julian, like you, Ian, like myself, like so many women who are now finally covering the game um, you know, we it, think about it. It wasn't that long ago where we had people saying that women shouldn't be covering hockey and going into the dressing rooms and all that kind of BS. Right. I we've we've made progress. But then again, like you mentioned, Ian, it, those are moments when you're standing there ready to cover that game as a ringside reporter. Those are moments that remind us we still have a lot of work to do. And yes, yeah. I get those moments. Uh, and, you know, it, it, and unfortunately, yes, the the face to face ones are the ones that are the most shocking. But then the ones on social media, they are so much so that I, I had to 
make the decision to change my settings because it's like, how many times do I want to hear like, oh, shave your terrorist beard off before you talk hockey with us? Or, you know, if you want to join our culture, you need to, you know, you need to change who you are and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, I want to do such a good enough job to dwindle that. I know it's a minority, but it's sad that those people have those opinions. And, and it's a re it's a, it's a reality that we face and it's actually coming out more and more. We're seeing, I, I felt like we'd made a lot of progress um, as a society before, but it seems to be coming out with a vengeance. And so we have a lot of work to do, but um, you know, I, I aim to do that in a positive way. And so, you know, that, that's the thing is that sports can unite. And, you know, I think my journey proves uh, that for sure. Absolutely. Like, before I get to the next question, I want to ask, like, it's, it's kind of hitting me now, like as, as a younger person, just starting to make their way in the industry, thinking of people who looked like me in terms of inspirations, like I could really only count on like one hand, like people, like black people who look like me when I was younger, growing up, growing up thinking, okay, like I should look at this person. There was like a, a, a Montreal Gazette sports call, a uh, columnist named Randy Phillips, who I would read his stuff at from time to time. When I was watching Sportsnet, uh, Jason Portwondo was a, was a long time uh, anchor there, and Ian Mendez. It's and you know what's funny? You were, you were glowing up Ian Mendez all that time. <laughs> Every time I bring up all of his stuff, he gets mad at me because I make him feel old. You found a way <laughs> to to big him up and and not have him get mad at you. But to to my point is, it's like in terms of persons of color or people who even look remotely close like me, like Ian is part of that. I, but at the same time, like even though there were few and far in between. I was look because of that. I was looking at you know white guys as inspirations for for you know me wanting to get into the industry. I'm curious from your vantage point, who were you looking at in terms of inspirations uh, for wanting to get into media? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I had a yeah, I had a lot of white guys that I was looking up to. I mean, first and foremost, as a as a the the seed for me that plant that was planted for my love for hockey to blossom was Wayne Gretzky as a, so I'm, I'm moving away from broadcasters just to explain. I, I grew up in, in Alberta during the heyday of the Edmonton Oilers and, you know, Calgary flames were a pretty, pretty damn good team in those days too. They should have end, ended up winning a lot more Stanley cups had it not been for Gretzky and the Oilers. But um, I mean, I, I found that Wayne Gretzky, the way he carried himself, um, his humility as a player, his, the respect he gave for Gordy to Gordy Howe every time he broke one of his records, um, the the shoutouts that Gretzky continuously gave to his mom and dad whenever he accomplished something. Like for me as a kid, um, who was like you know our family is our faith is close to our family, and seeing Gretzky carry himself that way, it was actually really cool because it was like the stuff that the values and virtues my parents were trying to teach me. I was seeing some of those through his just his the way he carried himself, and that was that was really cool to see along with him being like you know the best player ever to put on a pair of skates. But so, yeah, so so Gretzky was somebody like as a player that I was like, oh, my goodness, like, that's amazing. But I knew I wasn't going to be an NHL player. Right. So um, my parents didn't skate. They came here in the 60s. Um, you know, like I loved hockey. I played a ton of ball hockey. I my my hockey card collection could have rivaled any kid in Canada at that time. I was obsessing over all of the facts on the backs of the hockey cards. I had so many, you know, um, 
jersey numbers memorized. I would write zero to 99 on a sheet of paper and just memorize as many players to their numbers or all of the team names, their coaches, GMs. Like I was just doing that in my classroom. And it was hockey that um, was the icebreaker between so many classmates and I, because I was showing up in a small town of Brooks, Alberta, just 10,000 people as the only person from my community. And there I am with a turban. We spoke Punjabi at home. We ate our East Indian food at home. Um, you know, we listened to our Punjabi music and Sikh music. And like, there were so many differences, right? So you show up and I have a name that's 10 letters long and four vowels. And I knew I was an outsider. But when I reflect back on it, if it wasn't for hockey, I, I would have had a very drastically different experience in that small town because hockey, a lot, you know, people who were kind of like, okay, who is this guy? What's he about? And they were kind of maybe apprehensive when they realized I was obsessed with hockey. They're like, oh, that's cool. And then it just opened this door, right? This rapport for us. But in terms of broadcasters, um, there was, uh, I mean, Bob Cole for sure is one of those guys. Like it was just, he was calling the big moments, right? The Stanley Cup finals. Uh, locally in Calgary, there was a fellow named Ed Whalen. Ian, you might remember him. And he he started off every broadcast with, hello, hockey fans. And the Calgary Flames have their media gondola and their media lounge named after Ed Whalen. Julian, you see that now every single day. Yes. So he was a guy who I kind of watched. He was probably the first play-by-play broadcaster I ever met. Um, and I talk about that story in the book because it was actually interesting because um, it made me realize, even though it was not, I'm not blaming him, but it, it was a, an experience for me as a six-year-old that made me conscious of how I, you know, I was, uh, how I looked as a member of my faith in the mainstream society, right? It's just, it's interesting, right? There's, it's, that's just how the world is. You live and learn and there's life experience. And so, yeah, those were the types of guys. But I mean, nowadays, even for me, Chris Cuthbert has been such a huge mentor for me. Um, he's been so kind and generous with his time. And I've learned so much from watching him and being able to pick his brain. Um, so, you know, those are the, those are the ones that I would say um, stand out, but there have been other non play-by-play broadcasters who have also been so beneficial to me along my journey. And I would have to um, give a shout out to Ron McLean and to Kelly Rudy. Like those guys have gone above and beyond for me and I am forever grateful for what they've done uh, whether that's standing up for me behind the scenes or giving, providing me with so much guidance and they're busy guys, but they still always, you know, took out time for me. And so I'm, I'm, as I said, forever indebted to, to what they've done for me. Ah, I'm glad you mentioned Cuthbert, one of the great voices Love of hockey in the last 30 years, or one of the great human beings in yes. this, in this game. And I, I wish more people knew that about Chris. He's so modest. Yeah. Uh, but, but he's, he's a phenomenal, uh, phenomenal person. So supportive of, of, uh, of young reporters in this industry. Cause I think he, he remembers where he came from. And, um, what I want to ask you though, is when you're breaking in early on, yeah, are you one of those guys that would turn the volume down on games and do your own play by play to kind of get the rhythm and the cadence and, and that type of thing? Or were you more the type that, you know, I want to listen to what, the 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 Houston's and the Coles and the and the Cuthberts are saying so I can I can learn from them like what was your what was your way to kind of hone your craft without maybe thousands of, of people listening and watching to to every word that you're saying so you know yeah that's a great question too my family will tell you that when I was a kid like elementary school age they would 
they wish they had a remote for me because my family would be trying to watch the hockey game, but I would be acting out my own players. I had this whole imaginary world, even like my toy cars would line up and uh, be the parking lot for the arena. And I would play out the role of a player, a coach, a general manager, team owner, and do the media side as well and just fake everything. And so that's why even on the, even on the cover of the book, there's a picture yeah, of me with a toy picture. microphone yeah, and that, that's, that's so that cool. toy microphone where I used to, you know, pretend to do all my hockey media stuff. So they, so I was, I was loud as a kid. And then as I grew up, I was a listener. I, I, um, I loved listening to the voice of the game and I wanted to be a voice of the game. Right. And so it's those, fa it's those big moments, right? Like, you know, Jim Houston, great save Luongo. It's so simple yet. It was, it's iconic for him. It's, you know, Cuthbert, the way he went through with his, his, uh, the, the, the golden goal with Sidney Crosby and, you know, it's it's those types of uh, moments that you watch out for. That what are what is the comment commentator saying in that moment where it's the climax of the game and he's delivering it to the audience. So I was a I was a listener, but but Ian, I I also had no idea if this opportunity was ever going to come. Right. So it's almost um, like I was. I ended up working at TSN as a as an intern, and then from there, CBC Radio. I was a radio reporter for local news for a bit and in Calgary. And, and then it was like, I wanted to do this, but I wasn't sure because I was hearing the messages and here we have to go back to that. Cause it's just the reality of the situation. You know um, you know, you hear from an executive, I'm not sure if, you know, our audiences are ready for someone like yourself. And you had an executive was, tell you that. Yeah. Like I heard, and even, you know um, when Julian, when I was uh, when hockey night in Canada, Punjabi began and I was, a few seasons into it and then I was trying to get more opportunities and you know English radio or not things like that and I, I had an executive tell me straight up to my face that he's like you know it doesn't matter like like hockey night Punjabi is one thing but you know over what we are doing is completely different and I was kind of like actually no like in my own mind I was like it's this exact same thing it's just a different language I went to school for broadcasting for radio and tv too right like but I got that vibe from him that, you know, and so I learned there's two perspectives out there. And I'm le I've learned that in the industry even now. Certain people, I did 14 seasons on Hockey Night in Canada, Punjabi, over 700 games. You, If you have a compassionate, open-minded perspective, you can consider that as I've paid my dues in the industry and I'm ready for the next opportunity. Or on the flip side, you could be, you know, not so... Um, kind-hearted and you could say oh well that's hockey night Punjabi that's not what we do it's completely different right and I've learned that and you have to navigate those situations but when you first encounter them it's shocking right and it's like I didn't know how to respond because I'm you know I didn't have enough guts or at that time a life experience to call out the guy who was saying it and the world has changed so much you guys know this more than anybody we're now able to talk about this stuff openly, whereas just like, you know, two, three years ago, we would be labeled as complainers and like, you know, you're a problem because you're talking about discrimination in hockey and stuff. No one wanted to talk about this before. Right. But yes, George Floyd, he's murdered in, in the States and it's an awakening for all of North America and not just the sports world, but, you know, companies are forced to 
think about diversity and have these conversations. And so here we are, we're fine. I'm finally able to talk about this because for so long, I brushed it under the carpet too. But, you know, for me uh, in the hockey world, that's, that's actually the place where I've experienced the most blunt discrimination and racism. It's as a hockey fan going to arena, sitting in the stands and the stuff that was said to me, like I could go on and on about the racial slurs and, but I loved the game so much. I wanted to do this so much. So I was able, I, I withstood that, but yeah, I mean, I'm going on and on here, but it's, it's, there's so much for us to talk about. And I feel like I'm going on and on speaking from the heart. Cause I know you guys can relate. Dude, 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 I just want to say, like, I don't know what the time cap is going to be on this episode. I just because I, I, I'm a big fan of like play by play in general. And like, I wish if I was like a little bit more talented or if I practice a lot more, I could be in your shoes. So to see you do well and to see like people like you and Chris Cuthbert do so well in the booth like that really like makes me feel like like, oh, man, this is so cool, especially like, you know, working in hockey now. And the next question I want to ask like you mentioned the fact that Jim Houston has his call with with the way with, with the way he will say like great save this person uh, Chris Cuthbert you did you see that in the way that he calls yeah. the golden goal you also have your own signature right like with the way that you sing players names that's how Nick Benino 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 became a thing but even since then you've done that with McDavid you've said Matthews you've done that with players names how did that come to be that is uh, my musical background, which is uh, the first time I ever married my two passions together was was in the book. And so hockey is a big passion for me. And then music, specifically sick music. So it's faith based, but there's instruments I play. One is a percussion instrument called the tabla, and it's played with your hands. And it's two separate uh, drums played simultaneously. Um, and uh, that's a lot of fun. That would be one of my first passions. And then I'm also a vocalist on with an instrument um, called the harmonium. And so um, singing is something that is, uh, you know, natural to me because I've been doing that since I was a, a youngster. And I think the musical side of it um, comes out when I'm calling a game. And um, in that moment, when you are like the adrenaline's pumping and it's like a overtime game winning goal or playoffs for sure. Um, musicians have this, it's like a, it's like a characteristic or it's a skill where you can try to hold out a, a note for as long as possible. Right. And this transcends all genres of music. I mean, you can, you can um, picture Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey doing that. Um, and, and, and in Punjabi and Sikh music, it's something that's considered quite a skill too. And so, um, yes, the, the background behind those calls is the music. But then what ended up happening is like on Hockey Night Punjabi, I would, I would do that for a big goal, overtime winner, a game-winning goal. And uh, I ended up trying to like beat out the goal horn in the arena and so it yeah. just, I think it just went longer and longer. And, and so then, um, yeah, that, that was something that, and then the, I talk about the Benino story in the book is, is um, it's quite interesting because it was a mistake in my own notes that led to Benino's uh, name being called so multiple times um, during that 2016 Penguins Cup run. And, and so that's where that goal call style comes from. It's, it's been a bit of a, it's taken me maybe one or, one or two seasons on the English side for some fans to, 
to get up to speed, I guess we can say, because people who are familiar with my work from Hockey Night Punjabi get it that I do this thing. Um, you know, for on the English side, sometimes it's like, oh, why is he favoring a team? Well, no, if the if the game's tied at three and it's, you know, two minutes left in the third period, it doesn't matter who scores like that's coming. Right. Like and then overtime, especially. And so, yeah, that's that's something um, I've kept going. I've tried to keep some other things going like on Hockey Night Punjabi. We called um, the penalty box Sajada Dabba. And, and that translates back into box of punishment. So I've, you know, I've, I, once a game, I'll throw that in there. Cause it's like, why well, keep saying penalty box each time, right? You're, you're referring to that so many times. And yeah, there's, there's been some fun moments, even with like um, being able to bring some cultural aspects uh, to the, to the broadcast where it's, uh, you know, in our, in our culture, when you have, um, a wedding, a birth of a child, some really big happy news you want to share. You make homemade sweets and you go to your friends' houses and ring the doorbell and hand them a box of homemade sweets and then tell them the news, right? And my very first NHL English playoff, a play-by-play game was uh, Vancouver Canucks Edmonton Oilers. There's a player, Niels Hoaglander for the Canucks, and he was in his very first NHL game and he scored his very first NHL goal and out came from me. It's time to hand out the sweets, right? It's uh, Niels Hoaglander's first NHL goal in his first NHL game. And I didn't like that just came out naturally because I was in that moment. I had actually handed out sweets because it was my first game, too. So it was like top of mind to my colleagues and producers. And so when that came out, I was really amazed and it was heartwarming to see the response of South Asian audience across Canada who were like, wow, like, you know, that was so cool. And then there was some really kind-hearted Canadians from the majority who said, oh, okay, that, that was really cool. Can you explain that? And it was cool to have that conversation, right? Because there's so many idioms that are used actually that go over my turban that I don't understand because I didn't grow up with that culture. You get it over my head. Yes, I'm. I know. Um, but... I didn't want to laugh at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's okay. No, it's good to laugh. Like, I mean, I meant it as a joke, but yeah. Um, so it was Sorry. like, it's okay for, I was like, that was a little bit of a, a verification for me that, you know what, it's okay for me to um, keep using, uh, you know, some, some of my culture on the English, uh, English side as well. Well, okay, I got to ask this question because you've got a signature call. You sing out the names. Have you ever, on a dare or otherwise, rolled into like a Tim Hortons or a McDonald's <laughs> drive through and like kind of use your broadcasting voice in an order? Ah, that's a great idea, um, Ian. I should do that for sure. But, you know, the best time that I was able to do that um, as a surprise was uh, when the when the Pittsburgh Penguins won the Stanley Cup in 2016, and the and the team invited me and and my colleagues from Hockey Night Punjabi. Some of them came out as well, and we fly to Pittsburgh. And the the Penguins PR um, they they said, okay, we got to the arena, and they go, the players love you guys, but they have no idea you're here, and they're getting ready in the dressing room. They're getting dressed to take their Stanley Cup team picture. And they said, what our idea is that you guys just walk into the room and you do the Benino call right there. And there is cell phone video footage of this. And it is just absolutely one of these moments that you cannot script or dream of. Um, It is just like, it's unbelievable the way it happens. So I, I wasn't aware of this. I'm wearing like this, um, 
this like Swiss army, like uh, over the shoulder bag thing. And I've, I've got a Starbucks coffee in my hand. And so it was just like, we're ready to go. And so all of a sudden we just march into the room and it was like quiet because they were, they were all like tying their laces up and we walk in and I do the Benino call and just, they erupt in like, you know, they're all just like loving it. They're all like clap. Everybody's coming up to shake our hands. And it was, it was so amazing to surprise them that way because at the center of their dressing room is the Stanley Cup, the Conn Smythe trophy as well, and then the conference uh, trophy. And, and those are all three of those are there in the center. And, and you know, at the, at, when you first walk into the Penguins dressing room, it's Sidney Crosby front and center at the, at the main stall, right? So it's like in front of his stall is like this altar of the, you know, the hockey's greatest trophies. Uh, for the playoffs. And, and it was so cool to see that. And then, uh, you know, Benino came up and it was this, is this lifelong, um, you know, connection I have with Nick Benino. Um, and, and so that would be the, the, you know, the drive-through is a great idea, but that, that what you asked reminded me yeah. of, uh, of that moment of us walking into the Penguins dressing room and surprising the players. That's so cool. Um, I love asking, uh, you know, your, your favorite player, your favorite uh, commentator, I would love to know your Mount Rushmore of play-by-play commentators. You do not have to limit it to hockey commentators. You can put any play-by-play guys you want. Just give me four names. Okay, um, that's that's awesome. Um, so yeah, I throw Bob Cole has has got to be up there. Um, you know, uh, Chris Cuthbert has got to be up there for me personally. Um, and um, so if you want me to, to give you two more, um, I'll, I'll have to go to the States and uh, I'll say Doc Emmerich because I think he's had such a lasting, um, you know, legacy for, for that, for the industry down south. And, um, you know, another guy that I really liked and it's probably because of the video games as well. And then, but for a long time when I was growing up, ESPN had the rights to the NHL and that theme music and then the video games that Gary Thorne was really yes. Gary Thorne was really good. And, you know, I just, I don't know yes. why, but his, his voice it just never, it, it just like, it's, it's like meshes with hockey and the way he called the game, it, it was really exciting. And I, he had a great voice and it's the video game factor plays uh, a huge role in it too. Right. Cause I, I played a lot of NHL as a kid growing up and he was the, uh, the voice in there. And so um, off the top of my mind, I would, those are the four names that come up uh, right away. That smart move by you. You went with two Canadian, two American hockey broadcasters. <laughs> Politically correct. Eh? <laughs> so good. Yeah. All right. Hey, before we let you go and we kept you way longer than we, oh, uh, we no, said we would at the outset. This is probably my fault anyways. <laughs> no, this not, is, even, this not even, not <laughs> even probably Honestly, my we, fault because we had so many questions. Yeah, we've enjoyed this. Okay, before I let you go, uh, one more question, kind of similar to, you know, like Julian, kind of an off-the-beaten-path question. Um, now, was your favorite team as a kid growing up, was it the Oilers were your favorite team as a I kid? I am not allowed to or, say, you know, like I'm a, I'm yeah, a very don't get it unbiased trouble, professional I was, broadcast. Hey, don't I get was it a Habs fan all. as a kid. As a kid. I'm talking about as a kid. 
Yeah, you know what? Uh, the Gretzky factor was huge, but when he switched over from the Oilers, we as a family, my sister Gurdip and I, we switched to the Kings, we switched to the Blues, we switched to the Rangers. So uh, we were blue- pretty for what obsessed. for six weeks. You were a Blues fan for like six weeks. <laughs> yes, and it was what? so exciting because it was like Brett Hall, and oh my goodness, we used to watch Gretzky and Hall together on the uh, on the All Star games, right? And yeah. Shane Orson and Grant Fuhr, and they were all together there, and it was like this dream team. Right. And then Iserman had to ruin it all with that slapper in uh, in OT top shelf. And it gives me nightmares to this day. <laughs> right over way, John Bob Casey Cole and Gary. Yes. Tho- Gary Thorne had great calls of that moment, by yes. the way, yeah. of that yes. Iserman OT winner. Yes. On John Casey, because fear got hurt because of our pal, wasn't it? Kipper. Kipper, <laughs> Kipper. Kipper. takes him out with yeah. the accidentally on purpose. OK, so here's my question. OK, I'll take out the team. So I, okay. it doesn't have to be the Oilers or, who you know, whoever. Yeah. I'm going to give you a chance. You're going to get a phone call. You get to get parachuted into one moment in hockey. Does Hunter Ryan Singh take the assignment to do game seven of his Stanley Cup final, or does he take the assignment to do Team Canada in a gold medal game at the Olympics? Oh, my goodness. What are you taking? You are, what are you oh, taking? Wow. 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 That is, you know why that's so tough? because I'm such a proud Canadian and I feel like the Olympics, it transcends even like people who aren't even hockey fans are watching that moment. Um, you know, for, for Cuthbert's call of the golden goal, I think the stats were like over 80% of Canada was yeah. watching, right? Like, so that's, that's pretty magical. Um, but then the Stanley cup is the Stanley cup. Oh my goodness. That's probably, Ian, this is probably like one of the most difficult questions um, you've asked, okay, I'll, I'll have to throw in a condition here. If the Olympics are on Canadian soil and it's team Canada and the gold yep. medal game, if, if the Olympics are on Canadian soil, then I take that. If the Olympics are not on Canadian soil, then I for sure will be taking the Stanley cup final game seven overtime for sure. <laughs> so I, uh, I, uh, you know, kind of threw a curveball oh back at you, but I, oh Hey, man. No straight yes. answers in I this whole it. entire interview. Just, uh, <laughs> oh man, yeah, uh, dude, I, we're really happy that you were able to to be on with us uh, for the athletic hockey show, man. Me this too. is one I of my excited. most favorite things I've ever done. I was really excited about this. Yeah, this was awesome. And now it's time for uh, shameless self promotion time with your yes. book. And yes. I also want uh, later today. Julian has promised you you're doing a book signing later on Monday. We're recording this on Monday morning. You're yeah. doing a book signing in Calgary. Want to give you a chance to promote that. And Julian says he's going to be there. The two of you better tweet out a photo of you yep. guys arm yep. in arm. But hey, and, yep, and, and mention you in the tweet, right, Ian? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tag me in the tweet. No, but th- this is really important because, like I said, we're into that window where people can buy their Christmas gifts. We're hoping that uh, if you listen to this conversation and you want to hear a little, read a little bit more about Hunter Ryan's story, uh, this is your opportunity. So go ahead, be shameless, promote away about your book, uh, book signings, where they can buy the book, all that stuff. Yes, so uh, it's called One Game at a Time, which you hear NHL players promoting my book once a game in the intermission (laughs) interviews. Uh, but they yeah, do. one ga- one game at a time. My journey from a small town to hockey's biggest stage. It's available at uh, your local Indigo chapters, your locally owned bookstores, Amazon, wherever you buy your books. It's available. Um, it's already a national bestseller, thankfully. And um, this is uh, this is uh, yeah, it's a it's a great Canadian hockey story. And I'm not saying 
great in that sense. I'm saying I'm proud of it because it's, I, you know, uh, the feedback I'm receiving from people is, is that they are feeling inspired. And, and this is what this great country can do. It can bring us together. And that's what this great sport can do. So one game at a time. And yes, tonight in Calgary at 6 p.m. at Cross Iron Mills Mall, the Indigo location there. Uh, Julian and I will be there to say hello. <laughs> and uh, I will be there, uh, yes. Yes, and we'll be, uh, you know, chatting hockey with uh, with people and I'll be signing uh, books and I'm really looking forward to that. I've had uh, book signing in um, Brampton and Edmonton already, Calgary tonight, and I'll have one in Vancouver uh, shortly as well. But um, yeah, so I'm really looking forward. It's nice to be able to meet people actually now because, you know, uh, Earlier on, that was impossible during the pandemic. Yeah, no, excellent. All right, Julian, make sure you go to the right Indigo, man. Don't go to the wrong <laughs> okay, Indigo. I will. Just because I ju- just because I just moved to Calgary doesn't mean I'm going to be totally lost. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, Han Ryan, we thank you so much for this. This was a, a really great, uh, fun conversation with you. And and again, we're hoping that people that are listening to this realize uh, the journey that you've had and, and feel kind of moved and inspired to uh, to pick up that book because obviously you've got a great story to tell. And we're really thankful that you took a few minutes to uh, to chat with us here on the Monday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. Yeah, thanks so much, guys, for uh, having me. And keep up the great work. Real proud of you both as well. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right, Julian, that was it. What a fun conversation with Hunter Ryan Singh. And you better, you better tweet out a photo of you and him at the book signing on Monday night. I will. Okay. I will. Uh, God willing, uh, I will be there and I will uh, ensure a photo is taken between Hunter Ryan and I. Honestly, dude, like, like being at Calgary Flames practices, even at, when I was in Edmonton at the start of the year, too, um, getting to see Hunter Ryan Singh and like meeting him live in the flesh. I was like super cool. I was just like, oh my god! Like you're you're Harner Ryan Singh. Like you are uh, one of the many play by play voices who bring life to the sport of hockey in this country. And he is good at his job. Like and 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 guys like Rick Ball are great too. And 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 Chris Cuthbert, obviously, some of the more iconic names. But I just there's just something about Harner Ryan who seems very down to earth. He has a lovely family. Uh, it's just something about him. Like I, I, I like rooting for Hunter Ryan. Yeah. No, how, how do you not? And hopefully after you listen to that conversation with us, uh, listeners feel the same way pulling, uh, pulling for him. So check out that, uh, that book. And, uh, I know Julian, uh, Julian's going to be by there, uh, later for the, uh, the book signing. All right. I might buy two books. You might buy two books. 
yeah, I mean, I mean, it might be an idea for my dad or something. I want one for me, and I, I like giving my dad uh, uh, books as Christmas gifts or just any what? type of gifts. Are, so are you, uh, I might do it. Are you are you gonna get? Okay, you're gonna you have to get Hunter Ryan to sign your book. Now you need to think of something clever. Yeah. Okay, think of something clever for him to write inside the book. It can't be just like, oh. hey, Julian. Best wishes, Harn Ryan Singh. You just spent it forty five minutes with the guy on the podcast. So make sure, make sure you think, think about this. Like, think there's about this. There's an inside joke we have. There there's an inside go. joke we have. I might, I might, I might get him to do something along those lines. Yeah, there you go. There you go. All right, uh, wrapping it up like we always do on a Monday podcast. Looking back at the past seven days and wondering which coach did the best job of guiding his team through the past week of hockey. And I, I got some some candidates here for Jack Adams of uh, of the week award. Uh, what about the job Lane Lambert has done in, in New York? The Islanders go 4-0, and perfect 4-0. and uh, Over the week, Lane Lambert gets the Islanders kind of back on track here, and, and they go 4-0. Four, four uh, Toronto deserves some credit. Sheldon Keefe, they get seven of a possible eight points. You want to talk about injuries and being decimated. Man, Toronto's back end is, is, is so thin right now. They keep on humming. They keep on rolling. Uh, we talked about the Kraken a little bit earlier. They continue their surge. Dave Haxtell has them firing on all cylinders. They go 3-0. and And we talked about the Vancouver Canucks earlier, and there's been a lot of noise and, and chaos and dysfunction that has enveloped the organization. But, hey, Bruce Boudreaux has the Canucks go 3-1 and and, uh, you know, definitive win over Vegas, too, uh, on the weekend on Saturday. Um, who gets your vote? Best coaching job of the week. Hmm. This is really interesting. I mean, Bruce Boudreaux, I thought he was going to get fired like a month ago. The fact that he is still uh, coaching the Vancouver Canucks, I don't want to say it's a miracle, but it's very surprising considering the fact that uh, the people in the front office uh, did not hire him. Uh, Again, the Canucks were not off to a great start. They were struggling with maintaining leads. And the fact that he's still in the position that he's in right now uh, and again, going three one and zero over the last how many days? He he, like I, he's under a little bit more pressure than than Elaine Lambert right now, taking over for Barry Trotz. We just we just talked about how good the Seattle Kraken have been. Dave Hackstall deserves some praise. I don't know if he, I don't remember if he. I know he keep track of the winners. Uh, I forget if he's won uh, from us already. Uh, Producer Chris, please remind us of that. Um, uh, Sheldon Keefe also kind of in the same boat as Bruce Boudreaux. That's a guy who also. Uh, we were wondering about whether or not he would have uh, employment, but he also was recently extended, so maybe we shouldn't worry about it as much. So I will give it to Bruce Boudreaux. Okay, thank you, Producer Chris. We have not given it to Dave Haxtell yet. I think if the crack can keep it up, we should give it to him. But because the Vancouver Canucks not having the season that they would want and Bruce Boudreaux in a really interesting position right now, this might be the one chance he gets a Jack Adams winner of the week before any other crap hits the fan. I'm going to give it to Bruce Boudreau this week. Man, okay, but can I make a case for Sheldon Keefe? Absolutely, because, you can. Uh, Morgan Riley is out. Jake Muzzin is out. TJ Brody is out. Jordy Ben is out. Like, that's four of their top D out. Fans are and wondering if Toppy Nimala should get, could, should get signed and play on that defense. It's wild to me. Uh, Marner's going right now. Uh, Tavares is going right now. Willie's going right now. Uh, but anyway, look, you want to talk about noise around a team? Uh, what was the conversation around Sheldon Keefe about, I don't know, four weeks ago when, remember there was a game, I want to say they lost uh, early in the season. They lost a game 
to uh, Arizona. Anna? It was Arizona? Right. It was, I, I was remember Anaheim. Anaheim. Early, no, earlier it was Arizona. Well, they also lost to Anaheim later, right? It, they an did, overtime yeah. game. But they lost the game to Arizona on like a Monday night in their own rink. And everyone's like, this is it. They've shown themselves to be who we thought they were, which is just a bunch of guys who just only care about stats. They don't. At that time, we were like, well, that's the end of Sheldon Keefe. He's not going to last the season. Well, this, they just went 3-0 and this week without all of their defensemen. And might I add, and this is this, I hope this is what pushes you into my camp. They busted New Jersey's winning streak. They did. The Devils, the Devils weren't losing to anybody. And Toronto rolls in with this depleted blue line. Now, granted, here come the Devils fans with, well, technically they got three pucks past uh, Matt Murray that didn't count. But <laughs> true. But but they won. And, and they beat and they beat the, and then they went into Pittsburgh with Christina Aguilera watching their every move. <laughs> and they beat the Penguins. Okay, Ian, here here's why I'm gonna go for Chief Keefe here. Because uh, not only did the Toronto Maple Leafs bust that winning streak from the New Jersey Devils, they had to fight off the Devils and all the debris that fans threw on the ice. Yes, I think like Eric, Eric Holla was saying he got hit by like a chicken finger. <laughs> like yeah. if you're you're playing through that, like you know what? Fine, all right, you deserve it. But also to what I was describing earlier with Bruce Boudreau, like Sheldon Keefe. I mean, Bruce Boudreau could say he's getting all the noise and all the complaints out in Vancouver. If there's a market that's just as noisy, if not noisier, it is Toronto. So Sheldon Keefe knows all about that pressure of unhappy fans. I mean, they, I mean considering the, the lack of playoff success that they've had, he could definitely uh, sympathize uh, with Bruce Boudreau and what he's going through. And the fact that he has been able to get all those points in spite of the fact that their defense has been decimated to the point that it's at, you've swayed my opinion. There we go. Uh, Sheldon Keefe, a.k.a. Chief Keefe, uh, is my pick now. You get it. There you go. And by the way, one more note, because uh, I saw you also jumping in on the Sidney Crosby, Christina Aguilera picture that was circulating because, you know, Christina Aguilera Loved from it. Pittsburgh. She, when she was a kid, she sang the anthem, right? Was it the Stanley Cup in 92 where as a kid she sang I the anthem? Like, she no was a lot younger. Idea of that. She, she sang the anthem in Pittsburgh. Uh, but I was disappointed that she posed for a photo with Crosby and not of Getty Malkin because I thought, here's the natural tagline Gino in a bottle. Come on. <laughs> you're in. You're in. No. I know you're in. Gino in no. a bottle. I don't want this. You do. No. You know that it's good. This is such a dad pun. Also, very weird to come in my uh, one. I had, as someone, I mean, Christina Aguilera, very prominent, popular pop star. I never realized until this very moment she was from Pittsburgh. I never realized it. And that, for whatever reason, uh, that makes me think we should look at prominent pop stars who have sung anthems for NHL teams because Before the only other famous? person I could. Yes. Didn't Ariana Grande do that in Florida? She got hit no. by a puck. She got I hit by a that. puck. I don't think she sang the anthem. I think she just was like a little kid who got hit with a puck, right? Oh, my God. I feel like she at least at some point did the anthem. Alanis Morissette, before she really took off, sang the anthem in Ottawa. In fact, for the Senators' first ever game, Alanis Morissette, who is a very popular singer in this area, before she really blew up like three years later, sang the anthem at Ottawa's first game. Ariana Grande did it at eight years old. There's video of it. 
Okay, there we go. Christian Aguilera, I'm pretty sure, and it, I feel like it might have been the Stanley Cup final. Man. Like in the early 90s, sang the anthem in Pittsburgh. And if it's Christina Aguilera the way that she normally sings, that was definitely some over-singing on that part. She could sing, but she definitely is one of those artists who loves to, like, sang. Like, let everybody know that she could sing. So she's adding all the runs and the vibrato and all that. Like a young Harnarayan Singh calling a goal. <laughs> I don't know if we could make that same comparison. He, he brought yeah. up Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston. Aguilera's I mean, in the same did. boat. Yeah, I feel like she's... I'm, you know what? Let me not say anything about Christina Aguilera before people end up on this podcast like Decimator. She's an amazing singer, and I'm going to leave it at that. All I'm going to say, too, someone should put together like a little like geo map of like every pop star like before they were really famous. And when they sang anthems for NHL teams, because we have at least three people we could use. There we go. And by the way, uh, producer Chris has told us that yes, 92 Stanley Cup final, Christina Aguilera sang the anthem. I had no idea, but yep. also I was not born for that. No, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Calling me out for dad jokes and then saying that you weren't born in 92. I was Gotta not born in 1992. No wonder I didn't know that. Yeah. Hey, let's wrap it up, though. Uh, with multiple choice madness, I'm going to ask you the same question that I asked Harnarai and Singh. I'm going to uh, turn around, flip it around, ask you. Uh, you have a chance, Julian, to either cover Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final, the Calgary Flames, who you've covered all season long. They get to Game 7 of the Cup Final. You can either cover that, or you can cover Team Canada playing for a gold medal game. Where, which building would you like to be in? Now, I'm not telling you that the Flames are going to win or Canada is going to win. I'm just saying this is the opportunity ahead of you. What are you taking? Okay. Maybe I'm not the best person to ask because I have covered a Stanley Cup final before, uh, courtesy of the, of the Canadians and the but Lightning. Was, can, can we admit that was like a slightly fake Stanley Cup final? Like just ever okay, so you, We weren't going to get fake. the same access. You're absolutely right. Just everything right. was a little We're fake about it. I mean, like, I think I remember being in the building for game four, and I remember someone saying that, like, if the cup was going to be won by Tampa that night, I don't think we would have, we weren't going to get locker room access. I think we were probably going to have to just watch everything from the press box. I don't think we would have been at ice level or anything like that. To your point, that is very fair. At the same time, that is sort of how I'm justifying being at a gold medal game at the Olympics. It has been my dream to be at an Olympics as a credentialed media member and to see team Canada or team USA or whoever in a gold medal game, probably to team Canada in this example, right? Um, to, to be at a, a gold medal game where team Canada is in it. Like that would, that would make my life, honestly. Uh, so I would pick that. I feel like in the position I'm in right now, it'd be, you know, I, I, you know, to, that Stanley cup final was still real to me. Damn it. Like I, I I'm happy I was there. You tell you tell anyone else who was got hired at a company like three months earlier that they'd be covering a Stanley Cup final and see what they say. That's basically what happened to me at that point. But to cover an Olympics, come on, man! Like that's that's something that would rank really high for me. That's my pick. Okay, so I'm going to I'm going to take the game seven, and I'll take the team I cover, Ottawa. And part of it is I was fortunate enough I covered. Team Canada in 2010. See, I'm that old Julian that I was in the building when Crosby scored uh, the golden goal. Okay? <laughs> that so, was on my couch. Now, 
I have also covered the Senators in a Stanley Cup final, but they got dusted you pretty have. quick by Anaheim. My biggest dream would be just because I love Ottawa so much, not the not the organization, but the city and the fans. Like I I can't express how much I love this place and how much I love Ottawa fans. That that's my dream. I want them to win a Stanley Cup and I want to be there to document it for them. Uh so yeah, that's the one thing left on my uh, NHL bucket list for me is covering a, a, a Senator Stanley Cup and 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 a, and a seventh game would be uh, unbelievable, unbelievable. Now you make me seem selfish for. Well, you are selfish. Yeah, I, that, that was that was evident when we started uh, recording together weeks ago. That was very evident. That's actually very true. Yes, very <laughs> evident that I'm selfish. But also the fact that you're like, I love Ottawa. I love this city, and you want to see all these people happy. And I'm neglecting Calgarians in the process who, you know, if they were in the Stanley Cup final again, like they were in 04, they would love that, you know? Yeah. Uh, and they got to a game seven. They, yes, they have gone to a game seven. And I feel their pain. That puck was in as far as I'm concerned. Oh, the game uh, six, Tampa, yeah. Maybe Tampa. Yeah, that puck was in. Sorry, guys. Yeah, Marty Jelena. You know what? That's how I know you really, you've officially moved to Calgary. As soon as you go to Gal- Calgary, you have to say that that puck was in. Yeah, right? you, you kind of have to. You kind of have to take that side. It's like a different. Like you go, if you move to Buffalo right now, you have to be like, Nah, man. Brett Hall's foot was in the crease. That shouldn't have been. Brett Hall's foot was in the crease. Like you Why moved did they to switch the rule. They didn't let anyone know. You 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 move to different places. Like you go. If you go to Toronto, you got to be like, Man, Gretzky, Highstick, Gilmore. No questions asked. Happened. Absolutely. Oh man. Now like, we have to do like like <laughs> another this, heat like a, map. A, another heat <laughs> map. Like if you live in like what I'm trying to think for the Canadians. Like what would it be? Um, like what would be like there? Like, like what's a statement you have to say to? to I'm trying to think of what's a similar quote you would say there. And that's just because uh, it's like would you say that? Thing. I don't know. Would you? Wow, man, that's a great question. Because I mean, they've won so much, they've but not in so the last 25 years, right? Like it's been, yeah, not since '93, not since I was not born. It's been, yeah. It's- <laughs> Maybe you were the curse. Maybe they haven't won a cup since you were born. Maybe, maybe it's, that's, have you ever maybe it's about me that? because because 1994, I was born there. And uh, for those, uh, I mean, I don't know how much video we're going to show, but uh, Ian Mendes Wait, what, is wearing a bunch of Was your birthday, is your birthday in the, in the first half of the year? Uh, April. I'm in the first. Okay. Uh, so when you were born in April of 1994, the Montreal Canadiens were technically the reigning Stanley Cup champions. Yes. The Rangers had not won the cup. So since you arrived on planet Earth, a Canadian team has not won a Stanley Cup. I'm I'm starting to think that maybe you're I also the, you're the problem. I also I I also it's also a double whammy because you you wear a Montreal Expos hat. I was born like three months before the ninety four strike. And that Expos team in ninety four is supposed to be the best one they ever put together. See, that was my last year of high school, ninety four. And that was the best team I've ever witnessed, the Expos and of, of the team that I loved as a kid. And anyway, there you go. See, once again, the age Sorry gap comes through. Sorry for being born, everybody. The 17-year age gap or whatever it is, uh, once again, uh, comes out uh, here. <laughs> Sorry for being born. All right, we better. Yeah, it is. You know what, though? You know what I realized? Uh, I wrote a piece on the weekend on the great relationship, the father-son kind of then it turned into brotherly relationship between Eric Carlson and Daniel Alfredson. You know what their age gap was, Julian? 17 17. Years. We could have the same energy as Carlson and Alfredson, man. You could be I Carlson. I like the idea of being Eric you Carlson, be Carlson and you being Daniel Alfredson. You're the, I love you're the that creative, idea. dynamic, fun guy. I'm the grizzled veteran who's trying to saddle, like kind of 
you know, kind of rein you in. You're a wild Bronco. This is this is the relationship. With Carlson I, you know and what? This is it. There we go. Listen to the Monday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show, uh, where the podcast versions of Daniel Alfredson and Eric Carlson talk yeah. to each other and make jokes. Yeah, exactly. And then make dad jokes and have the other guy groan and and off you go. I'm not letting you. I'm not letting you slide for Gino in a bottle. I'm sorry. You know that on on some level, no. you're like, ah, that is pretty good. No, I can't stand you for that. Gino in a bottle is awful. Oh, all right. Listen, we'll we'll have to leave it there. This was a really fun episode that went a little bit longer than we usually do, but that's because we had uh, so much fun. So listen, we're looking forward to to next week's show as we roll into December. Believe it or not, that's kind of crazy. Uh, but we want to we want to remind our listeners though, the Black Friday deal that's been with the Athletic. You still have through Monday to get it. It's a dollar a month for a year uh, when you visit theathletic.com/hockey. So hopefully, Julian, people are listening to this on Monday. They get it. They they go to theathletic.com slash hockey show. Take advantage. Dollar a month for a year. It's a great deal. And uh, that puts a bow on it, man. Have yourself a great week. I want to thank everybody for listening to this uh, Monday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. Follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Leave us a rating and review. We certainly appreciate that. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.